Now you don't have to stay linked to your desktop or laptop. Take Voice America on the go and listen anywhere. Get our mobile app for iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android at the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market. The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Variety Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericavariety.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed in the following program are strictly those of the hosts or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. I need somebody Help Not just anybody Help You know I need someone Help Welcome to Family Caregivers Unite with Dr. Gordon Atherley. Family caregivers don't have to be alone in their experiences. You will hear from experts and other caregivers facing the same issues that you may be facing. Now, here is your host, Dr. Gordon Atherley. Welcome to Family Caregivers Unite. This is Dr. Gordon Atherley, your host. I'm a physician trained in Britain, living in Canada, and who's worked in the U.S. Since retiring from medical practice, I've become an activist for family caregiving, which explains the name of the show, Family Caregivers Unite. Our topic today is community health centers, diverse communities, and family caregiving. And today we're going to talk about particularly how community health systems are helping family caregivers grappling with the challenge of incurable disease. And this is a challenge that's sharply highlighted by dementia. Now, let's just say a word about dementia. It, it, it refers to very serious things that go wrong with a person's memory, behavior, speaking, and thinking. These serious things are caused by brain diseases such as Alzheimer's disease, Parkinson's disease, and epilepsy. But these serious things are also caused by physical diseases such as diabetes, heart disease, and raised blood pressure which causes strokes in the brain. Here's the challenge. All the diseases that lead to dementia are increasing for all sorts of reasons like the population is aging and the diseases occur more commonly as people get older. The diseases can't be cured, they can't always be controlled or reversed, and they cannot really and truly be prevented. But they can be helped by the type of things family caregivers do. So all of this raises tough questions about the way community-based health systems are going to help and are helping family caregivers. And to answer these two questions, we have two guests, Jack McCarthy and Dr. Ahmed El-Zoebi. Now, first of all, I'm going to give you their bios, quick summary. Jack McCarthy is the executive director of the Somerset West Community Health Center. From 2004 to 2011, he chaired the Canadian Alliance of Community Health Center Association. This is an advocacy body for community health centers in Canada. He's a past chairperson of the Ottawa Hospital Community Advisory Committee and the Central Ottawa Community 
of Care Advisory Forum for the Champlain Local Health Integration Network. In 2009, he received the United Way of Ottawa Community Builder of the Year Award, and he holds a master's degree in social work from Laurier University. Dr. Ahmed El-Zoebi obtained his bachelor's degree in pharmacy in 1994 from Cairo University. In 1997, he won a scholarship from the International Canadian International Development Agency to complete a master's degree in microbiology at Laval University in Quebec. And there, there's where he later obtained his PhD. He then joined the University of Toronto, where he worked as a postdoctoral student. In 2008, he completed his pharmacy license requirements, and now he's a community pharmacist practicing in Ontario. So welcome to the show, Jack and Ahmed. Okay. Um, nice to be here. Great. Now, I'm going to start with Jack, please. Uh, first question for you. Tell us more about your life and work. Do you or does your family have any experience with family caregiving? Jack? Okay, um, just uh, your bio on me was uh, was pretty comprehensive. I'd, I'd also want to say that I'm the father of a couple of uh, daughters in their 20s. And um, my wife is a community mental health worker. So um, working in a CHC and having a spouse that works in mental health has been enormously beneficial in terms of really understanding many of the kind of complex community health issues that uh, so many people are facing. Uh, and uh, so it's given me a rich perspective. I also um, I have an 86-year-old mother who is living on her own with, uh, with my sister who's in her mid-50s. And uh, I want to kiss my sister every time I see her for the kind of support she provides my my uh, my mother. Um, she just couldn't, you know, manage without her. So often I'm involved in discussions about how how to be supporting my sister as the caregiver to my elderly uh, my elderly mother. And even on my my wife's side, uh, from the perspective of an 83 year old father who's doing quite well living independently, but even more recently, I've been involved in discussions about how can we get him uh, good food, good nutritious food, because he's been recently diagnosed as a diabetic. So what's, what's affordable, nutritious, easy to prepare food for an 83-year-old diabetic? So my wife and I are the kind of caregivers, if you will. So I, I come with that perspective, certainly um, working at a community health center, uh, in a rich perspective, I guess, in understanding a lot of the issues out there for families and, and caregivers who support loved ones, but also a bit um, in my own personal life as well. I'm going to ask Ahmed basically the same question. Please tell us more about your life and your work as a community pharmacist and how in particular that work brings you in contact with family caregivers in the wider community. Ahmed? Uh, yes, uh, Gordon. So as you said, uh, I obtained uh, my bachelor's degree uh, back uh, in Egypt uh, in 1994. So I have practiced pharmacy in two environments that are quite different in Egypt and uh, in Canada. 
And from my experience in both environments, I do believe in the pharmacy profession as an important part of healthcare. Uh, as a community pharmacist, I often encounter situations where the person coming to the pharmacy, either to drop off a prescription or to pick it up, is not the patient himself, but rather a family caregiver. Uh, this is particularly true in case of elderly patients or patients with disabilities who can't show up uh, to the pharmacy. Uh, as a general standard of practice, uh, the pharmacist is required to provide counseling to the patient on any new medication or in case of any dose change to his existing uh, medication. So in case an agent is picking up uh, the medication on behalf of the patient, this counseling on the medication could be directed towards that agent. This is usually done after confirming the nature of relationship between the agent and the patient, you know, in order to respect the patient's confidentiality. Uh, according to the professional judgment of the pharmacist, uh, the pharmacist might decide sometimes uh, maybe to call the patient for telephone counseling rather than speaking with the agent who comes to pick up the medication. But in case of a family caregiver picking up the medication for a patient, especially if the pharmacist knows him, counseling is almost always directed to the caregiver. Uh, so I have to make sure that the caregiver is fully aware of the medication regimen of uh, the patient. Then I provide information to the caregiver about the specific medical requirements of the patient, about his medication usage, particular precautions, and also monitoring of any alarming symptoms or, as we call them, uh, red flags and so on. Right. Jake, now, please tell us about the Somerset West Community Health Center and the types of communities that it serves. Okay, the Somerset West Community Health Center in Ottawa, we're located in the kind of west central part of downtown Ottawa. So the community or catchment area, we call it, that we serve is about 35,000 people. And I, I think it's like largely three main neighborhoods. The one is in the center town area, um, largely an Asian community. So we provide a lot of services to Chinese and, uh, and Vietnamese families in particular, um, but a huge Asian contingent uh, of, uh, reside in this community we provide service to. There's also uh, another emerging community where there's a lot of gentrification happening and where there was affordable housing for folks years ago. Now it's quickly being bought up and uh, turned into more expensive housing, so we're seeing real shifts in the population in that community, um, a radically gentrifying community that once was home to many of low-income families. And, and then we have uh, more affluent areas of, uh, of our catchment area as well. But just the center of the self, briefly, you know, we, we provide service to about um, 14,000 clients who access our health center. And, you know, those clients come uh, from 128 different countries of origin. So it's a real melting pot in this community. And of that 14,000, roughly, you know, 17% are over the age of 65. And, and, you know, half of them have, you know, one or if not several chronic conditions, uh, including, you know, mental illness and dementias and so forth. So we provide a range of, of services to people uh, in, uh, in this community. Ahmed, over to you now. Talking still about your work as a community pharmacist, <clears throat> what are the questions and concerns that your patients and their family caregivers particularly bring to you? And to what extent are these people from the types of communities Jack just mentioned? Yeah, it's quite often that uh, family caregivers come to the pharmacy to discuss issues uh, facing them with the medication usage uh, of the family member they're taking care of. 
usually compliance to the medication is one of the most frequently encountered uh, issues. When a particular medication has an unpleasant side effect, such as nausea, heartburn, or dry mouth, or dizziness, uh, the patient sometimes could be reluctant to take it. Uh, so I always ask the caregiver to remind the patient of the concept of benefit versus risk. The physician carefully weighs the pros versus the cons of any particular medication, and even if the medication causes some unpleasant side effects, the beneficial effects make it worth it to tolerate those side effects. Uh, another common challenge is that chronically ill people are often using a large number of medications. So if you combine this with the fact that decreased memory and varying degrees of dementia are common problems in the elderly, as you mentioned in the opening of the show. This could result in different forms of errors, such as forgetting to take a certain pill or taking it at the wrong time or taking it at the wrong quantity. Uh, regarding uh, my practice, uh, I practice mainly in the GTA, which is also a very diversified community. So, actually, What's yeah. GTA, Ahmed? Sorry. What is GTA? Uh, yeah, the greater Toronto area. So basically, Toronto and its suburbs, Mississauga, Oakville, Brampton, uh, Scarborough. So it's basically uh, the city of Toronto and the, the, the suburbs around it, which constitute the greater Toronto area. So uh, this is also a very diversified and multicultural community. So many of the patients and the families I encounter during my practice come from the same types of communities that Jack uh, mentioned earlier. Now, what about the sorts of questions that come to you from those, I'm going to call them minority communities, and you've only got about 30 seconds to deal with that huge question, but just give me a sense of the, give us a sense of the questions that you get asked. Yeah, sometimes there's a misunderstanding of how to take the medication, when to take it, uh, uh, do they have to take those two two pills together, Do they have, are there any particular precautions? Uh, sometimes uh, is, uh, in, in some uh, communities there is uh, some, uh, you know, communication problems with the healthcare, with the prescriber. Maybe, you know, there's some poor understanding uh, of uh, the patient, how he deals with his medication. So all those issues uh, uh, often come up uh, at the pharmacy. Uh, very helpful. Now, we, it is time for us to take the break. We do have to pay the rent. So this is Dr. Gordon Athelie, and my guests are Jack McCarthy and Dr. Ahmed El-Zoebi. You're listening to Family Caregivers Unite on the Voice America Variety Channel. Please stay with us. We will be back. Find out what's happening on the Voice America Talk Radio Network. Find out about new shows, featured guests, and what's up this week. Find us on Facebook by searching keyword Voice America. Healing occurs from the inside out. To awaken and activate the body's healing mechanisms, your emotions and thought patterns must be addressed and aligned with your truth. These concepts are discussed in detail on The Light Within, Awakening the Inner Healer, with host Joan Jacobs. We'll introduce you to a new way to interpret and address your body's language of symptoms and how to turn disease into a platform of profound personal growth. Tune in to The Light Within every Monday at 10 a.m. U.S. Pacific Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. 
If you hear a dog barking or an angel singing, then you know that you are listening to Waking Up in America. Heard every Wednesday at 3 Pacific Time, Valerie Kirkard and all of her friends will bring you powerful and humorous discussions that raise thoughts and give you insight on how to live your life to its fullest potential. Adventure is always a must on Waking Up in America with Valerie Kirkard every Wednesday at 3 Pacific. News. Opinion. Your voice counts. Call toll-free 1-866-472-5787. 1-866-472-5787. VoiceAmerica.com. Help! You know I need someone. You are listening to Family Caregivers Unite with Dr. Gordon Atherley. If you have any questions or comments about our program, please address them by email to docg at mymonami.com. That's Doc, letter G, at M-Y-M-O-N-A-M-I dot com. Now, back to Family Caregivers Unite. Welcome back to our listeners to Family Caregivers Unite and Jack McCarthy and Dr. Ahmed El-Zoebi. Our topic is community health centers, diverse communities, and family caregiving. So let's talk more about the work of community-based services that... um, how both our guests are involved with and how these services address the challenge particularly of dementia. So Jack, first of all, um, on the website of Community Health Centers generally, and yours in particular, there's mention of health promotion, illness prevention, community well-being, and community development services. Please make clear for us in what ways these services address the challenges of dementia. Mm-hmm. Okay, well, it's uh, certainly a, an excellent question, and I think the range of services that you just mentioned, um, um, we connect through those services, you know, to support many of the families and many of the clients who we see, the group programs that we run in the center, uh, connect to the families and, and in many cases, their caregivers. Um, the, uh, when talking to some of our outreach nurses that I was yesterday afternoon in, in prep for this interview, it's like they use the words of educate, support, and advocate. Those are the kind of three key functions that they describe for me in terms of how they reach out to, uh, to support um, many frail uh, seniors and others uh, certainly with mental health issues and in, case, in some cases dementia. And in education, it's really understanding the disease process and then the behaviors associated with that disease process and, and, and helping the, the caregivers understand that. And often our, our nurses and our social workers and our community developers are providing, you know, the kind of social support to the caregivers, in some cases developing a, a therapeutic relationship with the caregiver because we know, we know very, very well the incredible stress that, uh, that caregivers are under in managing um, a home situation with an elderly parent, uh, in some cases with a dementia. But also a, b- a big piece is, is, is system navigation, is being an advocate, being an advocate for, uh, for um, the patient, the client, the, the elderly uh, gentleman, uh, woman who, who needs to, you know, get the services and the resources to be able to, to live independently. And sometimes that's really challenging 
really challenging for a caregiver to kind of step up into that role if they've not been used to or have the confidence to articulate what is needed for um, their parent or um, or whatever. So it's that really educate, support, and advocate kind of role that uh, through health promotion, illness prevention, community development, and so forth, that our workers, again, nurses, outreach nurses, community development staff, counselors play. Very good, very clear, very good. Ahmed, it's a similar question, but focused on the community pharmacist. How do you and your colleagues help with health promotion and illness prevention? And we're talking about dementia. And to what extent do pharmacist services help with the community well-being and community development that Jack was talking about, especially in relation to this challenge of dementia? Ahmed? Yeah, our expertise as pharmacists lies mainly in the usage of drugs, how to maximize benefits and minimize adverse effects of drug therapy. Also, uh, the area of the possible interactions between medications, especially uh, when people are on a large number of medications, this increases the likelihood of drug-drug interactions, drug-food interactions. The pharmacist's main role is to ensure that the medications are used properly and safely by patients. Uh, we also do recommend over-the-counter treatment, over-the-counter medications for minor ailments such as headache, common colds, uh, mild intestinal problems, and maybe mild allergies. So, if uh, again, if the patient uh, is a chronic uh, patient on a large number of uh, medications, over-the-counter medications can also interact with his uh, medications. So, this is another area that we uh, intervene in. Another important role that we play is to make recommendations to prescribers or other healthcare professionals for adjustments of the patient's drug therapies. So for the particular area of health promotion and illness prevention, community pharmacists, I believe that they have an important role to play through the counseling of patients on topics like smoking cessation, healthy diets, maintaining an active lifestyle, and so on. Those are uh, things that we uh, bring up often uh, with patients during our counseling, uh, of course, when, whenever appropriate, whenever applicable to the particular uh, disease. Uh, as for the challenge of dementia, uh, I mentioned earlier that it's frequently it's a frequently encountered problem actually among the elderly, and uh, as pharmacists we can help the patient or the caregiver with that challenge by various ways. Uh, it could be maybe suggesting to the caregiver to use a pill organizer. Uh, if we feel that the caregiver will not be comfortable doing this we offer to dispense the patient's different medications in blister packs that we do ourselves, we make at the pharmacy. Uh, we also offer reminder call services to make sure that the patient is refilling his regular medications on time. Uh, one particular challenge is that in case the husband or the wife is the caregiver, he or she is also an elderly person having his own uh, medical problems. Right. Um, I'm going to ask Jack, just to expand a little bit on what you said, what you described as your sort of services where the nurses, for example, are out there in the community providing services. What I'm driving for here is how your center actually connects in the first place mm -hmm. with family caregivers in those kind of communities. Yeah. And in particular, what I call the faith-based, culture-based and immigrant communities with a focus on the challenges like dementia. Jeff? Yeah. 
Well, we have, uh, for example, um, like seven outreach nurses, and they speak the Mandarin and Cantonese and Vietnamese and Italian. They're the, the main languages that uh, of these uh, minority populations we connect to. So they really understand the kind of uh, culture um, that uh, many of these these families are in and, and certainly help these populations navigate the system. I'll give you an example. We have an elderly gentleman caring for his wife uh, who had a dementia, who has a dementia, and um, and was also terminal with cancer. And um, so this elderly gentleman came into our center, and before he went to the cancer clinic, he was wanting uh, the nurse here to really prep him with what are the questions I have to ask the doctors at the cancer center really clearly so that I'm getting the right information back. He really needed the kind of support from our outreach nurse to uh, just to make sure that uh, because his English was halting and certainly in the Chinese culture, he wanted to make sure that he was communicating effectively. So that was one kind of way of connecting. And after he had his visit at the cancer clinic, because he wanted the best care possible for his wife, um, again, terminally ill with cancer. All the answers that got, came back, um, he wrote them all down, came back here to the health center, and really closely walked through with the nurse uh, just to make sure that he really, really understood what was expected of him and what he could do effectively as a caregiver to support his wife. But through cultural interpreters, we have an elderly person's center here at the center through our mental health outreach workers. There's a number of staff in different programs that we would be connecting directly with um, many of these families. I'll come back to, I've got a, a little bit of an additional question to that in a moment, but let me just first ask Ahmed, what do you think are the greatest family caregiver needs in those communities, the faith-based, culture-based, and immigrant communities in responding to the challenges like dementia. And here I'm asking you to speak perhaps from your experience of those communities as well as from your experience as a pharmacist. Yeah, but family caregivers in different immigrant and religious communities do have a particular need, actually. So for older members of those communities, uh, some of them came to settle in Canada at an old age, accompanying their sons or daughters, uh, there's often a language barrier, as uh, Jack mentioned, between the patient and the healthcare provider, whether it's the physician, the pharmacist, or the nurse. In certain religious communities, the consumption of some products uh, is prohibited. For example, the consumption of pork or pork-related uh, products. Some medications come in the form of gelatin capsules, and sometimes the manufacturer doesn't provide the information whether the gelatin is from vegetable or animal sources, or if it's from animal sources, uh, what animals were used to make it. Those patients would be reluctant to take uh, those medications before they know about the origin of gelatin used, uh, for example. Uh, sometimes it's hard and time-consuming to retrieve that information by calling the manufacturer and waiting for an answer. So uh, those, those issues of communication barriers and particular needs are complicated also by the fact that dementia is common among uh, elderly members of immigrant communities. Uh, I believe that the existence and accessibility of healthcare professionals coming from various cultural backgrounds can constitute a big help to those communities. Uh, it happened to me many times that I would be working uh, in a pharmacy for the first time, what we call a relief shift or a locum shift. This is when there's a pharmacist who has an emergency or is on vacation, and then uh, another pharmacist is replacing him just for the day. 
so it happened to me once. I was doing one of those relief shifts. Actually, more than once it happened to me. And then a patient from my background uh, would come. He has never seen me before. I'm not his regular pharmacist. However, he would ask uh, the pharmacy technician specifically to wait to talk to me in person, uh, even though he hasn't seen me uh, before. So uh, this tells me that uh, if uh, the the accessibility of healthcare professionals coming from various backgrounds, this will definitely uh, help those communities feeling uh, much more comfortable in dealing with them. Right. Mm -hmm. Afra, what you've just said leads me into my um, rather pointed question to to Jack. Uh, Jack, do you actually employ pharmacists in uh, the um, community health centres? No, but we'd love to. (laughs) Um, In fact, I had a... a, That would be great. (laughs) Yeah, we'd love to have salaried pharmacists as a part of our interprofessional team at the CHC. Absolutely. Well, this is the kind of thing that... Um, needs a much broader discussion, and I will just simply say that I hope the kind of discussions we're now having on air will lead to these kind of uh, new associations among professionals and among people and among communities. Now, again, it is time for us to take the break. Um, I'm afraid this is a tyranny that is always upon us in radio and broadcasting. So this is Dr. Gordon Adley, and my guests are Jack McCarthy and Dr. Ahmed El-Zoebi. You're listening to Family Caregivers Unite on the Voice America Variety Channel. Stay tuned. We're definitely coming back. Find out which guests are being featured this week. Read our network press releases and read the blog posts from your favorite hosts. Go to iradioblog.com today. Powered by the Voice America Talk Radio Network. Ever wondered what private investigators really do and how they go about solving cases? Each week, P.I.'s Declassified gives a glimpse into this little-known world. Join your host, Francie Kaler, a noted private investigator, in conversations with detectives and experts in the field. False confessions, forensic evidence, finding missing persons, exposing fraud, exonerating the innocent. All areas that Francie and her guests will cover. And have they got stories to tell? Tune in and call in to the live show Thursdays at 9 a.m. Pacific, noon Eastern, on Voice America Variety. The Mayan calendar tells us that we will be entering into a 260-day opportunity for us to engage in conscious co-creation with great spirit. How will we prepare ourselves for this exciting and unprecedented time in Earth's history? Peter Tung has dedicated over 20 years of his life's work to exploring that which is beyond understanding. Peter will help increase your awareness and education on this enlightening transformation in consciousness. Awakening to Conscious Co-Creation airs live Wednesdays at noon Pacific Time, 3 p.m. Eastern Time on 7th Wave Network. Ask the experts. Call toll-free right now, 1-866-472-5787. Hello? And ask our all-star team to answer your questions. That's 1-866-472-5787. Thank you for calling. VoiceAmerica.com Help, you know I need someone. You are listening to Family Caregivers Unite with Dr. Gordon Atherley. If you have any questions or comments about our program, please address them by email to docg at mymonami.com. That's doc, letter G, at mymonami.com. Now, back to Family Caregivers Unite. 
Welcome back to our listeners to Family Caregivers Unite and Jack McCarthy and Dr. Ahmed El Zoebi. Our topic is community health centers, diverse communities, and family caregiving. Let's now talk more about family caregivers' needs and the ways to address these needs where a family member is living with a health condition for which there is no cure. Now, dementia is one such commission, sorry, condition, but there are others. So let's talk about those. Um, now, by way of example of family needs, how are these responded to? This is a question for you, Ahmed. When a family has a tradition of fasting and also has a family member with diabetes, once again, a condition for which there is no actual cure. Ahmed? You touch actually on a point which is very relevant during those very days. Uh, many members of the Muslim community across Canada and across the world are currently performing the fasting of the month of Ramadan, which started on August 1st this year and will be ending in a few days. So during this month, Muslims refrain from eating and drinking from dawn until sunset every day. In summer, where the day is much longer, this is a real challenge for diabetic patients and actually for other patients who have to take oral medications at regular intervals throughout the day. This obligation to fast, like other Islamic obligations, is linked to the capability of performing fasting without harming one's health. Uh, therefore, there are several categories of people who are exempt uh, from the fasting of the month of Ramadan. This includes pregnant and nursing women, their children, the elderly people, and the people with chronic illnesses or disease states uh, preventing them from fasting. Uh, despite this religious exemption, some patients who believe that their condition is not very serious or who believe that they can manage their chronic illness while fasting might still choose uh, to do the fasting of the month of Ramadan. Uh, healthcare professionals in Canada need to be aware of this fact since it would necessitate special adjustments in the diet and in the medications of those patients who choose to fast. And this is, of course, particularly true for diabetic patients. It is to be noted, however, that uh, taking tablets breaks the fast. However, other forms of medications that are not taken orally, such as patches or creams or ointments or eardrops or inhalers, do not uh, break the fast. Also, injections uh, for medical but non-nutritional purposes are uh, allowed uh, during fasting. Thank you. Mm -hmm. Jack, I want to refer you back to something you said earlier in about your recognition, your understanding, not just as a, you as an individual, but you as a group of healthcare services, about these burdens on family caregivers imposed by incurable health conditions. Please tell us more about the kind of help that your center offers to families with those burdens, that is, burdens arising from incurable diseases. Jack? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, I think, um, you know, as I mentioned before, um, that facilitative role that, uh, that an outreach nurse can play in a, within a family is, is key. And very specifically, to use an example, in palliative cases, um, we're finding that uh, caregivers with, uh, with uh, somebody who's very seriously ill, people want one point of contact, excuse me, that they can, they can deal with to help them marshal all those intense resources that, that come with an end-of-life intervention. 
And then I'll wear my bias with pride here. At a community health center, the role of that outreach nurse or counselor can be pretty varied and pretty flexible. We're not in a silo. We're not doing one specific kind of intervention. We're doing multiple kind of interventions that whether it's developing a therapeutic relationship with a caregiver who is super stressed out and needs the, the support of counseling of one of our counselors a nurse can refer to, because we know the stress burden is so, so high. Um, but there's not just on an individual basis we would support families. I mean, we connect more recently with VON Canada and all neighbors helping neighbors. You know, isolation makes people sick, and we all know that. And a part of the role of a community health center is really building natural support systems in place in communities so people can turn to their their neighbor. When the community health nurse goes into a, a senior's high-rise building, word gets out she's in the building. And for many of the isolated uh, seniors there, they connect, they ask questions, and, uh, and so on and so forth. Um, but I think the key thing, too, is it's helping caregivers be advocates for their loved one who is seriously ill or is managing a dementia. And, and often that is helping the caregiver feel comfortable with a directive role and being an advocate. And sometimes it means the CHC staff member becomes their advocate as well. It's not simply putting it all on the gun, but it's really it's supporting the, the, those caregivers. And when I heard stories yesterday, it's immense, the stresses that so many caregivers are under. And uh, I could go on and on, but uh, we certainly we want to support the supporters. It's a critical role of what we do. Very clear. Um, now, Ahmed, I'm going to ask you a somewhat different question, and that's along these lines. <clears throat> With some of the, maybe all, of the incurable health conditions, the privacy of people's personal health information is important. Things like protecting the person against discrimination, stigmatization, and even abuse. So how do community pharmacists protect patient privacy in this time of electronic record, electronic health record? Yeah, that's a very important uh, issue, actually. Uh, the protection of the privacy of the patient's personal health information is, in fact, one of the ethical responsibilities and actually legal responsibilities of all healthcare professionals. Pharmacists are entrusted with the patient's medication information, so we're not allowed to release such information without the patient's clear consent. However, in some cases, there are exceptions. Uh, the pharmacist might use his professional judgment to release such information without the patient's consent. Uh, for instance, when a patient is hospitalized and is in an emergency and cannot talk to the pharmacist, and the hospital staff needs to know his medication profile. So in this case, similar cases, uh, the pharmacist uh, might release uh, this medical information. Uh, most patients understand and appreciate that principle of protection of patients' uh, medication information. However, sometimes it can be challenging. I remember uh, once a family caregiver was coming to pick up uh, the medication of one uh, for one of my regular patients, but I haven't seen uh, that particular caregiver before, so I didn't know him. So he asked me uh, what what is the medication prescribed and what is it used for. And in fact, uh, this medication was for anxiety and panic attacks. So before responding to his questions, I asked him how he was related to the patient. And I did feel that it made him angry. Uh, then I had to quietly explain the reason why I'm asking and 
then he accepted it and appreciated it. Uh, among the main things that the pharmacist does uh, to protect the privacy of uh, health information are, for example, the shredding of any documents containing uh, such medical information before discarding them or throwing them in the garbage. We have to shred them. Uh, also, not releasing, as I said, not releasing any health information to third parties without a clear consent uh, from the patients. Also, ensuring that uh, other pharmacy staff, including pharmacy assistants and pharmacy technicians, understand and follow those rules of protecting uh, the confidentiality of uh, this, uh, uh, those records. Very clear, too. Jack, it's the same question. Mm -hmm. um, that is, protection of personal health information in the electronic records that the community health centers have, and particularly, uh, this is a, a special concern that's starting now to reach the surface, you know, the discrimination, stigmatization, and abuse. And the abuse can be financial, and it can involve violence, because, of course, the kind of people we're talking about uh, may be vulnerable by virtue. So how do community health centers protect patient privacy in this time of electronic records? Well, Gordon, I think my answer would be similar to what Ahmed has said, um, that certainly we can receive information, but we can't divulge any information uh, unless, of course, we have um, client consent. And we have very, very strict ethical guidelines, policies, and procedures and protocols on that. Uh, now, that being said, we don't want um, a privacy to be a barrier either, but, but by saying that, I mean we want to be able to make it easy for people to to understand and some of you know the situations the caregivers are confronted with, so that we, without divulging any kind of client information, we can talk in more general terms about you know what behaviors of uh, dementia is all about and use a lot of education and so forth to kind of talk in a more more third person style, if you will, about, you know, how to manage a given situation without, you know, divulging specific client information. Uh, we're aware that most caregivers uh, have uh, powers of attorney, and uh, so we're, we, want, we want to make sure that uh, we connect as appropriate with the, the, the caregivers uh, and they have all the, the accurate information around that. But all to say is it hasn't been an issue that uh, we have uh, seen very often as something that's um, a big concern to caregivers. Caregivers want the service, and we want to make sure that we can get them the kind of help they can in the most sensitive way, at the same time protecting the privacy of, uh, of, uh, of the patient. Jack, would you go so far as to say the, the very fact that there hasn't been much in the way of concern about your, your organizations and your types of organizations ha handling of personal health information, would you say that really is because you're trusted by the communities you're dealing with? Well, I'd like to think so. Um, people at a time when they're coming in and, and they need help um, and they want to get help in the best way they can in the quickest way in the most sensitive and compassionate way. I mean, that's kind of first and foremost. Yes, we want to respect and we do. And like I say, we're bound by very strict ethical guidelines and privacy protocols. 
But uh, our, our goal is to make sure that uh, is to build that trusting relationship with the people who come to our doors and whose homes we visit and our apartments we see. And, and that's about building that strong, trusting relationship that I think is critical and then respecting privacy within that context. Fair enough. Now, again, it's the time for the break. Um, so I'm going to say once more, this is Dr. Gordon Adderley, and my guests are Jack McCarthy and Dr. Ahmed el Zoebi. You're listening to Family Caregivers Unite on the Voice America Variety Channel. We're coming back. The future of online TV is here. View exclusive content from your favorite talk radio hosts and new programs that you can't see anywhere else. Visit voiceamerica.tv today. Hey, did you know Voice America has partnered with the Kidstar Network to expand their reach through Voice America Kids? Voice America Kids will feature talk radio for kids, by kids, along with special event programming and live broadcasts. Each program is conveniently archived for on-demand listening at any time. Please check our archives for the latest events and happenings on voiceamericakids.com. Frankly Speaking About Cancer is a program designed to empower survivors and their caregivers to deal with the social and emotional challenges of cancer. Drawing on resources from wellness communities throughout America and abroad, the show will invite physicians, researchers, nurses, social workers, patients, and caregivers to share their advice on how to live a better life with cancer. Join host Kim Tibaldo, President and CEO of the Wellness Community, Tuesday afternoons at 1 p.m. Pacific Time and 4 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Health and wellness network talk 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 that's all we do is talk if you'd like to talk call us toll free right now at 1-866-472-5787 that's it that's it voiceamerica.com you know i need someone You are listening to Family Caregivers Unite with Dr. Gordon Atherley. If you have any questions or comments about our program, please address them by email to docg at mymonami.com. That's doc, letter G, at m-y-m-o-n-a-m-i dot com. Now, back to Family Caregivers Unite. Welcome back to our listeners to Family Caregivers Unite. And Jack McCarthy and Dr. Ahmed El-Zoebi, our topic is community health centers, diverse communities, and family caregiving. Let's now talk about how well family caregiver needs are understood and what needs to be done to enhance the understanding. Starting with you, Ahmed, how well understood by community pharmacists, that is your profession, are the challenges that incurable health conditions bring not only to the patient, but also to their family caregivers. And what more do you think needs to be done to en- uh, enhance the understanding? I believe that uh, the pharmacists in general understand quite well uh, those challenges. Uh, the medication management for chronic diseases is one of the crucial roles that the pharmacists play. In, uh, in such cases of chronic diseases, uh, medication compliance is very important. Uh, especially for patients who are not necessarily inclined to be compliant and for patients who don't feel the needs for the medication. 
sometimes, uh, as I mentioned earlier uh, on the show, patients on a large number of medications experience a variety of side effects, and this fact can create uncertainty about their medications. Uh, the pharmacists are usually aware that they need to enhance the patient and the caregiver understanding of medication management. This is done by providing instruction, information, and advice to the individual patients and also to the individual family caregivers and by encouraging family caregivers to put their questions and concerns to the pharmacists. But, of course, there's always room for improvement. So uh, I believe through uh, workshops, uh, educational events, articles that are uh, distributed to the pharmacists, uh, this uh, aspect could be highlighted and emphasized, which would uh, help in uh, making this uh, more uh, one of the main focuses of uh, the pharmacist in dealing with such situations. Thanks. Jack, it's the same question, but for community health centers. Yes. How well understood are the, the challenges deep down, and um, what do you think anything more needs to be done to en enhance the understanding? Mm -hmm. Well, I think, uh, I believe our, certainly our, our, our staff here have, uh, have a deep sensitivity to the issues and the burdens that uh, many uh, family caregivers face. And I've got to say, in the community health center model, you know, it's not just about providing, you know, efficient and effective and compassionate service to individuals, families, and groups, but it's also about building uh, healthy communities. And by building healthy communities, it's a recognition that, you know, neighbors help neighbors, and you've got to support those natural helping uh, networks that exist in communities, that exist within cultural communities. And so having an appreciation and a sensitivity of that um, is all about building strong, healthy, vibrant uh, neighborhoods, because we all know isolation makes people sick. And the burden of caring for a loved one, if you're feeling totally isolated, um, is just uh, is just horrendous. And even this summer, we've seen, like in some of our seniors' programs, a, a drop-off in attendance because so many of the seniors are caring for their grandchildren uh, because their adult children are both working and struggling to make ends meet. A huge number of our folks are on low income. Um, so there's, again, the burden, and here are these seniors, and many of them are well seniors, but are just exhausted with uh, the challenges of looking after grandchildren. And we see that, uh, um, and, uh, and we see the huge pressures, because often some of the grandparents are the caregivers. So, but all this in answer to the question, I think that, I think there is a sensitivity and understanding, and, and that uh, an integral part of the, the health system in this country is provided by the, the informal network, the family caregiving network, which we've got to support and we've got to recognize and, uh, and validate as essential to healthy communities. Right. Now, I'm going to ask you um, both um, a question based on a kind of assumption. My assumption is that you are both politicians, you are both seeking election, and that your platform is more and better support for family caregivers. So, uh, starting with Ahmed, I'm going to ask you both, what is the message that you would like to pass to family caregivers um, in relation to the communities of professionals and so on who you represent um, so that they would vote for you? Ahmed? <laughs> <laughs> so, 
for all the family caregivers who are hearing us right now, I would like to tell you that the community pharmacist is a very important resource for you. Uh, the pharmacist is a member of the healthcare team with uh, the most knowledge on medication. We also have to remember that the community pharmacist is the healthcare professional seen most often by the public. That's because the pharmacist is by far the most accessible to the patients among other members of the healthcare team. Basically, you don't need an appointment to speak to the pharmacist. Uh, in many public surveys, Canadians have rated pharmacists as the most trusted health professionals. However, the knowledge and the skills of the pharmacists are often underutilized, unfortunately. Uh, I would like also to draw the attention, uh, family uh, caregivers, on the existence of programs which can help them utilize the cognitive services of the pharmacists, such as the MedCheck Medication Review Program. This is a service covered uh, by the Ontario Ministry of Health and Long-Term Care, uh, so they don't have to pay for it. Uh, it's totally covered. Any patient who is on three or more chronic medications is eligible to get that service. Uh, so whenever applicable, the family caregiver can be the one who receives this consultation on behalf of the patient as well. Right. Jack, it's the same question. That is the message that you want to pass to the potential voters on behalf of the Community Health Centers Party. Yeah. Well, I, I'm, I'm a keen advocate, and my my role as the national chair up until recently, and being able to visit um, you know many communities across this country, I think we need um, a primary health care system that supports uh, family caregivers, and I encourage um, that model, the model of the community health center, to be uh, to be promoted, and uh, because we, we need more of them. Because why? Because we need teams of health professionals, and I completely agree with Ahmed that, and I've read those surveys uh, when I was, did a stint at Health Canada, that the most trusted health professional is a community pharmacist. It's true. But you need teams of uh, health professionals and social service workers and uh, community developers and counselors and outreach nurses and physicians and others uh, with community pharmacists to be working together each to their, you know, full scope of practice. But it's not just about helping individuals. It's about building, as I mentioned before, strong and healthy communities. And that's the kind of model that's responsive to the needs of local residents. So often that in the case here, that's why we offer type 2 diabetes support groups in Mandarin. We've got to adapt our health care to a community that's community responsive. And when somebody comes in to get service, it's not just oh, you can only deal with, you know, your one health issue today, a med renewal, and that's it. Because we know people don't function that way. They want to, the whole package, they want to talk about their issues and their social issues. And sometimes they're, you know, affordable housing issues. And it's about access to child care. And it's as well as some of the aches and the pains and some of the physical issues that uh, people have to face. And I think the community health center model, as I said, and I, I'm passionate about this, is an optimum model because we have teams of health professionals coming together to serve the needs of communities and, and to celebrate the richness and the diversity of those communities. That's what, uh, like I say, a healthy community is all about. Okay. Um, I vote for you both. Uh, <laughs> now, now, seriously, here's why. And I'm just going to make a couple of comments, um, and that is that we... I think as a community haven't really quite understood what these incurable diseases really mean 
as the population ages. Um, I have a background in epidemiology, and I look at data that says within the next generation, the incidence is going to double, or within 30 years. I've looked again at these data, and they're misleading. Actually, Alzheimer's is going to double within 15 years, which is in probably within my lifetime, and certainly within the lifetime of you two. And then if you add the point that we no longer um, keep um, people with these kind of conditions in facilities, they are passing back into the community, and that means family caregivers are picking up rightly and enjoy doing it, and are welcome doing it, but picking up the stress and strain of being the supporters of a system which itself is getting very stressed. So the, the, the conclusion that I'd like to just put to you both is this, that it's almost, we could argue, and in fact I think I will argue, that the kind of work you're both talking about, that is supporting family caregivers in all of their needs, is actually going to enable the healthcare system to cope with the challenges that are already stressing it. It's also going to do something else, which is to raise a question of just what exactly it is that healthcare can do and that needs differentiating from the things that family caregivers can do that aren't really healthcare but nevertheless are vital to looking after their loved ones and their families if government strategies like aging at home are going to be successful. And it seems to me, and this is the point that I want to make to both of you, is that exactly the sorts of things you're talking about, and all the things you've said, fit perfectly into that model of let's look again at how these services are delivered in such a way that family caregivers get the support that they really need so that the system can function. Now, that's the end of my political speech, and uh, I want to finish off by saying that, um, first of all, thank you to our listeners. Do please email us with comments and questions, which I'll be very happy to pass on to our two guests. I want to say thank you particularly to both of you, Jack and Ahmed, for talking with us so openly about your experience, your insights, and your advice and your commitment to this crucially important question of supporting the people in our communities who are stressed and strained physically and sadly at times financially exhausted in dealing with these challenges. So good luck to both of you. What you're doing is vital. Now in our next episode of Family Caregivers Unite, we'll talk about oral health and Lou Gehrig's disease. So please join us, same time, same spot, on the Internet. Talk to you then. Thank you again for joining us this week for Family Caregivers Unite with your host, Dr. Gordon Atherley. Please tune in again next Tuesday at 10 a.m. Pacific Time, 1 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. And until then, we hope our program will help make the coming week easier and more hopeful. And I do appreciate you being right.